Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breakout, episode number 106 for Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. My name is Marty Sleva, and I am joined by Casey Wosu-Frost and our very special guest, Philippe Marron, co-founder of Red Barrels, the developer behind the Outlast series, and most recently, this year's Outlast Trials, which is out now in early access. Uh, Philip, guys, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. We're very excited to have you. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, we wanted to. I, I feel like it's serendipitous for for multiple reasons. Once, uh, it's uh, it's just a little over ten years since the launch of the original Outlast. Uh, two, we just uh, debuted uh, uh, the out, the making of Outlast Trials documentary on the YouTube channel that you guys put together, which is which is excellent. Uh, and three, it's October, and everyone wants to talk about spooky stuff, and and who better than you to bring on here to talk about, um, <laughs> you know, Outlast, uh, the series as a whole, Red Barrels, uh, uh, the Outlast Trials, but also just horror in general, and the fact that you guys, you know, started an indie studio 12 years ago or so that has, you know, primarily just uh, developed horror games and chatting about how both the indie sphere as well as the horror genre as a whole has uh you know, evolved in that time because video games are very different than they were uh, five years ago, let alone 10 years ago. I mean, I'm going to be honest, video games are very different than they were a year ago. <laughs> they're very, like they're every... very different, yet exactly the same. Yeah. How is, <laughs> how is that possible? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, I guess uh, for folks who might not have uh, seen the documentary, I'll link it here. But uh, tell us uh, just a little bit about your yourself and uh, Red Barrels and, and Outlast. Sure. Uh, well, uh, we, the three of us, all the, the three co-founders, uh, Hugo Dallaire, David Chateauneuf, and myself, we were all working at EA uh, back in 2011, uh, working on a new IP, uh, uh, and they, uh, for various reasons, uh, it got uh, put on ice. And we, by talking, we realized we were kind of the, in the same place. Uh, we were all interested in starting our own studio. So uh, the reason why we ended up making our games is basically we, we came up with a list of projects, ideas that we uh, we thought would be interesting to work on. Um, and making our game quickly became uh, the number one option. Uh, David and I um, had already, uh, I think, in 2009, something like that, when we were still at Ubisoft, we tried to convince them to let us do a horror game. Uh, didn't work out work out back then, and David is a huge, huge horror fan. Like, I remember uh, he, he was living in the loft uh, back in those days, and the whole loft was covered with horror stuff, horror movies, horror games, and and uh, posters, and, and all that. So, uh, and um, so he was he was a big fan of horror, and I I I thought like no this is gonna be like something super fun because what I like to do is convey emotions and uh, you know grab grab the players by the collar and be like you're gonna be entertained and uh, <laughs> that's one way to do and, it. How committed are you? And and Hugo showed us this clip from uh, FX Twins. Uh, I think it was called Robert Johnny. Uh, which had night vision uh, into it, and that gave us like basically like the initial direction. Like this is the vibe we uh, we want to go for. And then after that, everything sort of um, evolved from uh, what we could do as a small team, what we knew how to how to do. Uh, so the decisions of making it the first person, uh, 
was uh, 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 had a lot to do with you know we're got, we, we knew we we're going to be a small team like 10 12 people uh so we couldn't start like working on third person uh animations um uh, night vision would allow us to maybe cut corners visually in some places because uh, the resolution is not going to be as or the uh, the image fidelity is, gonna, is not going to be as high and um yeah, so uh, we worked on that concept for about 18 months, which is the time it took to find the money. And then uh, July 2012, we finally got the uh, uh, the go, uh, the green light from uh, Canada Media Fund. So we were all ready uh, to jump into production. So within a month, we hired people, find a, 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 a space, and it took us 14 months to make the first outlast uh, with a team of 10 people and uh yeah and here we are like 12 years uh, uh later uh honestly uh you know when you start a business they often ask you what's your plan for five years for right. 10 years yeah. uh and and you know you bullshit because no who, who knows who yeah. knows <laughs> um but uh yeah i know i have to say that no it's uh it's really fun to see uh out i know how the studio has evolved and we're currently a little over 50 people uh working on the outlast trials and uh it's uh it's been a, it's been a an awesome journey and every, with every project we tr we try to give ourselves a new challenge um with outlast 2 it was it was to the uh open environments like the cornfields uh so we had to ad try to adapt the formula so it works and more of environments and also we wanted uh, the game to be uh, a little more cinematic and story driven than the first first game um without last trials obviously the biggest challenge was try to make it work uh as a multiplayer and uh, when we started working on it we really were focused on four players like it was going to be four players or nothing and then as we were prototyping uh we realized you know because we're working in the uh in the Unreal Engine, and so very often when, so when you're working, you're just testing your stuff uh, uh, as a solo player. And I, I remember, I remember like been testing something for a while and and feeling like, oh, well, this this still feels like an Outlast game when I'm playing by myself. You know, I, this we're not chatting with each other, so I can entirely put my focus on the sound and and the vibe. And so that's when we 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 decided. That you know, let's support one, two, three, or four players because we can make it work with very little modifications. Uh, yeah, I was. Um, it, it seems like there's there's um, always this kind of push and pull between multiplayer and horror. That that I think to a lot of people, some of our colleagues, like Yahtzee, always says um, horror can't exist in a multiplayer space. Like that, they're they're oil and water. Um, so going into it, like what sort of core tenants did you guys have to be like how do we how do we take the atmosphere that was you know pervading ls1 and 2 and somehow meld it with that idea of you know four people who who might be kind of goofing around but still trying to scare them well i mean I, at the end of the day currently you know whatever you play four players or one player there's definitely going to be a difference like uh, you know I, i'm not going to say there's 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 no difference there's definitely one uh but uh the design um decisions we made were that first of all we didn't want to do like left for dead where you're you're sort of forced to stay together 
we wanted players to be uh, to have the, the 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 emotional curve of uh, getting back together and be like, all right, now we're good, we're, we're going to be okay, and then being pulled apart, uh, whether it's by the level design or by an enemy chasing, and then everybody panics and starts running in a different direction. So we we wanted the experience to uh, to play with those uh, those different situations and and let uh, let it uh, be a player's choice to uh, uh, stick together or split and uh, and try to cover more grounds or make more objective at the at the same time. So I think that that play that plays a big part in trying to capture that that or feeling that you know, often you have also in movies where. You get separated from your friends, and then after a few uh, challenges, you get you get back together. Uh, so that was a big a big thing. And also on the sound 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 wise, um, we had to come up with some uh, systems to adjust dynamically uh, the balance of the sound, uh, so that when you're talking, you know, of course, we want people to understand each other. Uh, but when you're uh, not talking or you're you're separated, then we can double down on the atmosphere and uh, the different jump scares. Um, also, talking about jump scares, you know, we had to come up with solutions so that, for example, you take the jack-in-the-box uh, cl classic thing. Um, in a level, the level design areas are going to place like hundreds of them. And then when you load a game, the, uh, the game will choose like a, a bunch of those to spawn in the level. And out of those, there's going to be a probability of them opening up and making the jump scare if somebody walks uh, close uh, close enough. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, in, an, in in Outlast One or Outlast Two, there will there would have been like one Jack in the Box at a very specific place with a mm -hmm. with a trigger position, uh, uh, also at a, a specific place, and it would always happen uh, uh, when you hit the trigger. Now we have to find different solutions for uh, Outlast Triumphs. I'm, that's that's kind of fascinating to me, like the sort of stuff behind the scenes as to how you trigger that sort of an effect. Have you found that it's actually more effective to sort of randomize those sorts of triggers versus like having them be in the same place, like a multiplayer game, for example? Yeah, I mean, like for example, very uh, recently, I was we you know we played a game at least twice a week as a as a team all together, mm -hmm. and and. I got a moment. I wasn't. I wasn't in, in a game with three other players, and I. I remember. I don't remember which actions I did, but just at the perfect timing, Gooseberry came in and bashed through a, a wall. And and I know I couldn't. I couldn't. I was. I couldn't have scripted it better than how it <laughs> happened. But because it it happens in a more organic uh, fashion, it's. I don't know. There's something. Uh, even more efficient about it. So you have you have less control, but when when it happens, for it, it's so surprising that you no, know, I think it's more effective uh, uh, in a way. And and it allows us, even though we you know I, I've been working in this game for six years, so I, I've been playing the same levels for a long time. But you know, I I still have fun and I still get jump scares uh, when we do those sessions together. Every once in a while, you'll hear a player like. Scream, uh, <laughs> even though you no, know, we're working on the game and you know, we we know all the inner uh, working of the the systems and, and all that, but we're we're still we're still scared uh, ourselves. Even when I we, feel like uh, 
that's one of the rare uh, places to work on Earth where you can hear a terrified scream, and that's a good thing, and not like, oh no, <laughs> we need to call the police. <laughs> oh man, if you uh, all, all the the conversations like uh, 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 it's always you know, when we uh, hire somebody new, uh, they always have a cultural shock the first months uh, they're they're working with us because obviously you hear conversations at red battles that you don't hear <laughs> anywhere else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's probably like yeah. you guys in Netherrealm. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, more on that, the only two. I don't know if this uh, this podcast is, it needs to be PG thirteen or uh, we can. No, uh, it, 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 oh, could no. Be, it could be several ratings above that. Well, you know, it could be R. I don't know. It can't be R. How far are we going, gonna, Marty? A good example of those conversation is that uh, should the big run have a hard on when he's uh, when he kills you. <laughs> these, are, these, these are the question. I like the idea that there's like a morning meeting and everyone's very you know, it's about concept art. We need to see whether or not this is gonna be <laughs> yeah, yeah. compromise, a little give and take. It's like yeah. no pig hard on, but yes to to the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo has similar conversations with Super Mario Wonder as well. So that's, that's, that's what I heard. We we also had a similar at the end of Whistleblower, uh, you know, when you free yourself from uh, from the groom, you're na- you were you were naked on the table and um and you, you, you from that point on it's like the last stretch of the uh, of the game and we had debates about should we stay naked or uh, or put some clothes on before we uh the end of the scripted event get up from the table and ultimately the decision was made to uh address the player up but the reason was that we didn't want the um the players to be uh, putting their focus on what was happening uh, yeah. below, below the waist. We wanted them to be, because they know it's the last stretch of the game when you finally a- you're able to come out of Mount Massive Asylum. And so we wanted that to be the focus and not uh, always have the player looking down to see if there's some <laughs> physics going on. You know, <laughs> Yo, everyone would do that as well. Yeah. Also reminds me, we, uh, Nick and I streamed Outlast 2 last October. Um, he does like... Uh, yearly kind of Halloween streams of, of spooky games. Uh, and I would just rep, there's like a very graphic birth in that game. I don't need to tell you that you are aware of that. Um, <laughs> but I just remember being like, this is like, if there's something beyond a video being demonetized, this is like it. I think we have to pay YouTube money for sure. We, we, we had to make a modification. I don't know if you played on PC on console, but it's not, it it's PC. not the same version. Uh, we gotta go back. We gotta. We gotta try it again. We. Sh- the- I bet. I bet someone out there put like a side by side, like a graphics comparison, digital foundry, comparing <laughs> the two the two births. Yeah, they did a football yeah. combat. Yeah. ESRB uh, asked us to uh, lower the address uh, oh, okay. to for the uh, for the M rating, but uh, I think it was a year a year later we made an update on PC and 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 uh, uh, and made it like the uh, unrated version. So, uh, so you, yeah, you get you get to see the the baby uh, come out. Uh. Yes, finally. Oh, it's it's science! It's science! Yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. You know, you see this stuff all the time uh, in the geo, geo, the National Geographic or whatever. <laughs> it's life. Though. I do wonder. You, you said there's a there's a big difference between you know designing for just one player versus the more uh, emergent gameplay that can come out of a bunch of people. But which do you prefer, breaking down one person mentally or inducing mass hysteria? Like which, which do you prefer? I want to do it all, man. Oh, I... Just everything. <laughs> no, but as, as many people as possible. <laughs> uh, it, it's no, I 
I'm in this business personally. Um, like I was saying earlier, like I want to, I want to give emotions. I want to uh, have players go through a roller coaster ride of the uh, um, uh, scares and disgust and and the satisfaction of surviving and 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 all that. So yeah, there's. I mean, when, when on our side, you no, know, since the very first game, there's. No, no old's bar. Uh, obviously, there's a limit sometimes to how far you uh, you're gonna go. I don't I don't think we're gonna see anytime soon a uh, video game version of the Deliverance movie. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, although it was sort of a, 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 a inspiration for um, a whistleblower, but uh, uh, but yeah, no, it's. I don't know. No, the Outlast One and Outlast Two obviously were a single player experience. So you're, you're. It's very satisfying when you see a player come out of that experience and just be drained uh, emotionally. <laughs> um, I killed this man. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> get him a Gatorade. <laughs> and 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 you know, and and we did. And when we did play uh, play tests for Outlast Trials. You know, when we do a playtest, it's usually like eight, uh, a days of eight hours. So players have to play mm-hmm. the game for eight hours wow. uh, for a few days in a row. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean, that was a, that was a question uh, we had at some point. Like, all right, so even though we let's say we just make the best version of that game, are we going to lose players just because it's too much? You know? At mm-hmm. some point, they have to watch. Uh, uh, TikTok of cats and and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it is funny because like I, it feels like there is like a uh, 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 an, uh, two separate forces of a multiplayer game, you know, in early access, an ongoing game wants you to keep playing. Like this is it's treated almost like a platform, whereas horror is a thing where you need breaks. Like I know when I was when I binge like uh, one of Mike Flanagan's shows on Netflix, like The Haunting of Hill House or Blind Manor <laughs> or something. Like, I need to take a break after an episode. I'm like, I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna see the sunshine for a little bit, and then I'll come <laughs> back in and watch the next episode. Um, so uh, yeah, is that like in terms of like creating a game that has a long tail? Obviously, it launched in early access, and so the the thought is to you know continue adding well, and, and developing. How does how does that come about? I think that actually the multiplayer is uh, in a way helping because because you're able to discuss with your uh, uh, friends. Uh, it helps like um, uh, no, not make it as as rough. Like you, you, you're, you're uh, palate cleansers almost. Yeah, yeah. I well, or that, or just if you if you go through something that's intense, and then you're able to talk about it right away, yeah. then it helps like. Uh, like processing that, yeah, you know, okay. the, the yeah. break, the break you're getting when you go out, and, and for me it was an easier to talk decent. Like when I played that game, I had to take a lot of breaks. Uh, I think it's the only game that uh, made me feel like, like that. Uh, but yeah, the the fact that you're able to talk it out probably helps. Like uh, uh, either within the trial or after the trial, when you're a shuttle or you're in the lobby, and then you, you know you go do a bit of arm wrestling that helps like uh, uh, diffuse. Uh, the 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 high emotions you yeah. got while you were playing, and that's why it's it's it, you know it's like because we did a lot of research about brainstorming, and a lot of it you know is about like taking a person and then making that person lose uh, any sense of right and wrong and morality and uh, what's good and bad and 
and all that uh, until you know they reach a point where um, they'll just do whatever you say because they don't have any. They're just empty. They, they mm. like to become empty shell. And but for that to work, you, so you need to have moments where uh, there's like the uh, the break and you have the friendly voice and all that. I'm your friend. So that's why, you know, you have the trials where everything is super intense, gory and all, and all that. And then you go into the lob- lobby called the sleep room with that. That's where, you know, you, you feel like Murkoff is your friend and Easterman is your friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, yes, you're training hard and all that, but, uh, you know, it's for the, you know, it's for, it's for the best. It's to make a better version of you and all that. So you play with those two. And that's 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 how you, you know usually like, I, I'm re- oversimplifying things uh, uh, obviously, but uh, um, I think that's that it kind of works narratively uh, because you no, know, it's all about brainwashing, but also works uh, from a uh, a game uh, perspective because uh, after going through like a 30 minutes or 45 minutes trial, you do need a break. Uh, you could decorate think. your room like like yeah. Cross. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for kids. <laughs> where, 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 where's the fishing mini game? Where is the, fa- the fishing? <laughs> mini game? That's a great point. Hey, you'll be fishing fingers and teeth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to go fishing in any of the ponds. <laughs> All those uh, limbs, you know. Yeah, they, exactly, they have to put exactly. them somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, guy, that guy's boner you had to cut. <laughs> uh, Harry Carlin in the chat. Welcome to Early Access. Thank you so much, Harry. Uh, in chat, remember, uh, all of your donations now are going towards our uh, latest goal of Adventures Night Season 4 on location. I was going to say next year. I'm assuming next year. It's next no, year. yeah, it's next definitely. year. It's definitely next year. Yeah. <laughs> not doing, <laughs> doing anything this it's year. Like, I think <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for that. Um, but uh, yeah, Phil, I was uh, also one of the things in Outlast Trials that really stands out, which um, some other games have done. Like Casey and I, when we were playing... Uh, we played through the Dead Space series. And in Dead Space 3, we played co-op, and there's moments where one player sees things the other player doesn't. And there's like moments where we were just like yelling at each other. So I'm like, why are we not talking about this dead body here? In case he's like, there's no dead body there. Um, and so like, what is it like designing horror where you almost start to pit the players against each other? Of like, yes, you're on a team, but we are going to separate the knowledge and you are going to see something different than the other person, or you're going to... Um, you know, I guess sort of like the sanity effects and the psychological effects. Well, the first choice we, we had to make was that are we are we forcing players to communicate or can they can they uh, achieve their goals uh, without having a mic, without using a mic? That's I think that's the first thing you need to uh, to decide because the uh, the design uh, uh, approach will be uh, very different if you. Uh, if you accept that you no know, people don't have a mic, they're going to be fucked. Uh, versus, you know, it's yes, you you can entirely you can play this game entirely without never talking to each other. Um, with tri- trials, so far anyway, you know, we decided that uh, we want uh, players to be able to achieve the objective, even though they they're not using a mic. Uh, so that came. Uh, came with a set of of, of, uh, of conditions like uh, being able to ping or uh, um, having the uh, information on the TVs uh, here and there. Uh, so, uh, so and then when you uh, update the objective, you add a little bit of information. Uh, so there's um, 
that element that plays a big part in the design uh, the design philosophy um you no know, if we were this if we decided to make like for example uh, uh, a weekly uh, a weekly program uh, in which you know uh, we decide no right, this one is for people with mics and only with for people with mics mm -hmm. then you know you might be able to come up with stuff situations where two players are at the uh, uh, at the very uh, at the very different locations and they have to synchronize themselves to be able to perform there's a lot of cool stuff uh, you can do with that but it is it is a Philosophically, it's a big decision uh, to say, well, if you don't have a mic, you're going to have some serious problem. Uh, but it, it might allow us. So, so th those are the kinds of ideas that you know we we have a lot of stuff on the back burner. Honestly, uh, we you know during six years we uh, we definitely made more than one, one game <laughs> during mm -hmm. those years. Uh, we made so many prototypes, so many versions of uh, of our last trial. So, it's at this point, it's really more about uh, releasing like the foundation of the game, uh, and, and then after that we'll see how the players react, and we'll be able to go back to our uh, no to uh, all the, the the ideas we we have on ice and just choose from those ideas which one we think uh, players are going to enjoy uh, the most. That's uh, but no, but you know we were talking. Oh, I was just going to add. You know, you were talking about Dead Space and co-op. We Surprisingly, uh, we were we were sure that the most popular uh, scenario would be uh, players uh, playing in a team of two, but it's really f uh, play teams of four. Most mm -hmm. games are uh, played by uh, teams of four, uh, so we do have people who play solo two and three, but the uh, majority of people are playing uh, within a team of four. I guess it's just the evolution, of, like the squad in like all multiplayer games have some form of the squad. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like the, the irony is that the uh, yeah, the irony is that you know people often uh, ask us, so do you have to make the game harder when there are four four people? And the th the reality is that no, maybe some depending on the objective, we might add more steps to it or like more buckets to uh, to find it's you no know, four instead of one. But overall, we don't have to make a lot because people create their own additional difficulty. Mm -hmm. the, so the, the, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like they, they create they create chaos they, it's 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 harder to synchronize communicate and all that so when you're playing by yourself you're entirely in, uh, entirely in control of your of your experience so yes if you're in trouble nobody's going to come and help you but you might be able to avoid that trouble uh, easier when you play in a group of four then yes there's potentially always somebody to uh, revive you or to, to, to help you out. But also there might be a lot of players like just running away from an enemy and then they end up like dragging the enemy at you. <laughs> and then they close the door and leave you with the enemy. <laughs> does, does that worry you? It's like, you know, job security. It's like, oh man, these people don't need me to scare themselves. <laughs> Are you afraid for your job in the future? <laughs> As long as they pay. <laughs> I guess that's the, yeah, that's the that's the important thing. Yeah, it's funny, even in co-op games, of how you start to struggle with just trying to convey a very simple thought to the other person. It's like, what do you mean you're not seeing this the way I'm seeing it? Like, Casey and I had that. We just played through Portal 2 co-op. Yeah. I like same, how same I, <laughs> we should Casey and I went on a date. It was really together. good. We should do Outlast. Okay. I, I, I played Portal 2 with uh, with my daughter. 
she was, uh, I think, five, six years old back then. Oh my God! No, it <laughs> was that is impressive. Yeah, that's that's the, the sad part. She she doesn't remember uh, anything about it. <laughs> <Wait> again, <laughs> yeah. I forgot everything uh, from years ago. So yeah, all those horror movies we watched together, and most of them she doesn't remember. <laughs> that might be good. Yeah, that might be good. Yeah, if she was five when she was watching, that might be the best. <laughs> no, no, not not yet. But around, I think it was around. Yeah, I probably started watching. Her first horror movie was a, uh, uh, not quarantine. Uh, uh, the Rick. one also with the night vision and the, uh, um, that was the or- original of quarantine. Yeah. I think Rick. Um, yeah, because Rec was like the Spanish one. Oh, pa- pa- Paranormal Activity. Oh, Paranormal Activity. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she start, I was watching watching it, and she stumbled on, on it, and she kept watching. And for a while, yeah, we, so I had to watch the whole series with her. She, uh, she really got into it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's one of those movies, it might be one that takes place in the 80s, where they put a camera on an oscillating fan. And there's like a really long take and nothing happens. And it's just tense of like, what is going to happen every time the fan oscillates. And I now can never see an oscillating fan without thinking of that. It's <laughs> like a weird amount of oscillating fans in my life. Uh, sorry, Casey, were you going yeah, to say something earlier? Uh, no, well, I mean, yeah, if we to go back to the, the whole thing about uh, putting ideas on ice, like I'm always fascinated by the idea that, the next game is like the true game. Like this is the true vision of what you were trying to go for the first time and a bunch of stuff got cut out. I'm just curious if you're able to tell us anything that's in Outlast Trials that now works because it's this multiplayer third iteration versus like stuff you couldn't get into the second or first game. Well, the, um, no, when we started working on the, on the game, we were really trying to capture um, the essence of movies like Saw and Cube, and where I know we, we what we noticed with Outlast One and Outlast Two is that they were at least what we were seeing on the YouTube and the uh, other platforms is is you no know, people would obviously play one at a time, but they would play as a group, and that would become like a uh, like the activity of the night. Mm-hmm. So so others would watch as if it's a movie while somebody plays, and then they would so. Really, what we were trying to achieve with Outlast Trials, like the very, very first idea was like, well, okay, so what if we take a bunch of players and we drop them into Mount Massive Asylum and they have to work together to uh, try to escape? Can we make that work? So that was, that, was, that, that was the premise. So that, I mean, and that's something that, you know, I've been working on the other games was obviously a super fun as, as a developer, but there was nothing that would allow us to um, know that what we were witnessing with those people playing in the living room all together, trying to um, give that give that experience, but everybody's part participating. They're not just spectator. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you no, know, that's what we were able to pull off with without last trials. Like, still, it's still you know. Yeah, like I was saying, there's definitely a difference between playing by yourself and playing before, but at least based on what we're seeing, uh, it's still a, a scary experience, even if you're playing uh, uh, with, with a team. So, and it's kind of like you know, when you uh, 
go through a horror mansion and and you're you're with your friends in a group together you still make jump scares and all that and mm-hmm. so that's you know, that's what we were uh yeah going for like like the having see hearing somebody scream as a big impact also on the uh on the other players and we uh i don't know if you were if you were there uh uh pax east 2013 um i remember that booth <laughs> so yeah, oh no that, little... that Oh, you're talking about the the booth. Oh, that was the LS2 booth. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, yeah, I do remember you uh, making uh, making uh, yeah. uh, something uh, 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 about the booth. And, yeah. Um, no, the first the first the first Outlast, we didn't, obviously we didn't have any money, uh, but we were really concerned about uh, people uh, uh, being uh, immersed in the experience, and so we were afraid that with all the lights and the noise around, they would it would it would the game wouldn't work. And so it was just out of necessity that we went for a separated booth with uh, with curtains and and walls and all that. Um, but w- what 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 happened was that you know p- people could see what the game was on the TV outside. Okay, it's uh, it's it's Outlast, but they wouldn't know what the the, the demo was. And what we would witness is that as the line was forming and people were playing and screaming inside the booth, that was creating excitement mm-hmm. for the people in the lineup. And by the third day, you know, we had a two hours uh, li- lineup. Wow. And I would tell people, you know, the game is also on the Logitech booth. If you, I'm sure there's no lineup there if you want to play it there. And there, nobody would leave. And they would all like wait in line to go play it in the dark booth with the noise cancellation headphones and all that. So I think, yeah, that seeing other people scared uh, creates a, a feeling of excitement. And so I don't know how, how, to, how to call it, but it's like you've, you, you know it's going to be your turn and you're going to be in danger. As it's well, like being, and I, being in line for a roller coaster, and you hear yeah. the people on the ride in front uh, of you, and you're like, "That's I'm going to be screaming like that soon." Yeah. It's just like that. Too. And, and you know what we're doing in the in the shuttle when you're going from the lobby to the trial, it's it's basically the same principle you you talk about when with roller coaster, especially uh, stuff at Universal and Disney, where they know you can be in line for a while, so they they make sure to dress it up to put you in the mood. Uh, before you you get so so that's why you know in the shuttle we came up with those hallucinations and and stuff and and obviously you cannot prevent players from talking about the football game last night if they want to but mm-hmm. at least at least visually and 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 uh, and audio wise there the the game is is progressively pulling the player into the the experience because uh, before. Uh, a few years ago, uh, people were just like standing up in the shuttle while you know, we were loading the trial and mm-hmm. chit-chatting, and and even though they might have the same conversations about the football game, the fact that there was nothing horrific happening, they were just like they would start the trial and just not be the scare sure. horror game. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're like, all right, we're gonna sit down. <laughs> we're gonna force them to sit down. We're gonna put a TV in front of their face and really uh, uh, force them, or, or I should say, like more like drag them into uh, the experience, so that when they're they start the trial, they're already a bit on edge. Ooh. <laughs> Just so that everybody else gets that mass hysteria. Ten years ago, though, that was the boom of like YouTube and horror yeah. let's plays. Do you have a particular favorite? Be a Market Plier, PewDiePie, Jacksepticeye of 
of the of the big boys that used to well do last place for you. Now maybe you guys remember, but it's a very specific jump scare at the beginning of Outlast that uh, seems to work on ev- everybody. Uh, and I think I think if I remember correctly, actually I um, IGN was the first one to ask us the demo so they could uh, make a compilation. Mm-hmm. Um, that video and, tens of like we we got tens of millions of views off yes. of Outlast before the game was out. It was, it was that might be like the most views in history of any game from before it was even released. Yeah, it was well done. It was super effective, and that initial jump scare. Um, I I to be honest, like I was already like much older than, <laughs> than a lot of devs uh, back then. And and so I was not really paying attention. Like I'm saying, the documentary was not. You were not really paying attention to those trends, and and um, we just. This is where I have to admit. You now we we were just lucky with the timing. Like we came we, we came up with the, with a uh, with a perfect game for 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 those kind of streamers. And but we did you no know, uh, realize quickly that you no know, this is this is a great opportunity because obviously we were a small indie studio with a very limited budget. And this is giving us like a great boost of visibility, um, and so yeah, we we jumped on that bandwagon like uh, like quickly, and uh, and after IGN, I think PewDiePie was uh, was uh, was uh, uh, maybe the first one uh, solo streamer who uh, who did a playthrough, and uh, and I think honestly the the one that I, I like to watch are the compilations. Of uh, of <laughs> all the, the every time they the the uh, people perform a a scare a, a jump scare, or they get tense. Like I I remember one specific, I think it was for Outlast two. Like the, the the guy is super super tense and he does a jump scare and then he doesn't realize his baby is crawling beside him and so the baby <laughs> oh he, yeah, when yeah. he sees the baby he also. <laughs> Does another <laughs> jump scare? I think I, I think I see that. Yeah, makes, yeah. makes, makes I think the I baby cry. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that um, it can range from that to Conan O'Brien. Like you have the entire spectrum of, of reactions. I, I, our I our grand plan for that was we wanted to get uh, famous developers to play the demo. We wanted to get like Miyamoto and Kojima to play it. Uh, we got a lot of polite no's. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter Molyneux uh, play, played it at E3 on the Sony's booth. And um, even though it was not an isolated booth like we uh, we, uh, we did ourselves, uh, you just had like the headphones. Uh, but I, I remember uh, he played it up until that famous jump scare. And then... Um, and then he just took off his headphones with a big smile, <laughs> and he, he just looked at us. And it's like go indie, and then he walked out. <laughs> <laughs> broke that man. Yeah. <laughs> he went in the back room and started taking his heart medication. <laughs> we we also had a guy collapse actually. Like, oh. like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like uh, the end, uh, he, he was too tense or something, and his, his legs just gave up uh, under oh, him. Wow. Like uh, fainting goat. Yeah, Outlast has, oh, yeah. has a body count. <laughs> well, the, the 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 booth was also a uh, a victim uh, uh, on the first Outlast. So because you know we like as I was saying we didn't have any uh, budget. So the the um, I don't remember the name of the company, but whoever was taking play uh, taking care of the floor, um, you know, we asked them to build us those booths, and so the walls were basically cardboard, 
and several times we uh, we had people like knocking uh, a wall out of the frame, and up until we just gave up, like putting it back and be like, well. Let's take let's take it as a trophy. Yes. <laughs> so then, we, every time we would do an interview, we could tell the 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 reporters like, hey, "Look at the wall, you know, this is what yeah. happens." <laughs> yeah. That's that's perfect. Yeah, keep it as a badge of honor. Um, I'm curious, what do you um, you know, seeing how horrors evolved over the past uh, ten plus years that you've been working on it much longer since you've been you know trying to work on games uh, at various places. Um, where do you see like the current state of horror? Do you think it's in a healthy place? Do you think, you know, it, both in terms of indie and AAA, and then also where do you see it going from here? Like, is is VR the next paradigm in horror? Is that something you guys are interested in? Well, I mean, it's, it's a tough question because, you know, I on our side, all I can say is that you know we're we're not so much trying to guess where the next big thing is going to be we're more thinking about you know what we think we can do well so the first the first condition is after we have to be motivated as creators like uh it was just something that we think we we want to do and we think we can do well um i think i think uh, multiplayer is probably the uh the, the the biggest thing happening in the in the last few years that doesn't mean that no uh single player story driven games are going to go away i think uh in our case it, were, it was more like well we need to do something different so that's why we decided to tackle uh that challenge um and everybody's always asking us uh when are you going to do a vr game uh which is something you know we'd like to do one day but but the the reality is that right now as a small studio we cannot like it's not worth like dividing our resources to have people working on a VR game while others are working on a more traditional game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, down the line, it'd be something that that's uh, that's uh, would be a, a good challenge and also it can be very rewarding. Um, but I don't know. It's so <sighs> no the the big the big studios have have been coming in and out. Like when we released the first Outlast. There were there was almost no uh, big studios releasing our game uh, at least for a few years, uh, and then we got a wave of those uh, of those games coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, well, I mean, Resident Evil never really, really went away, but yeah, it, I mean, it kind of stopped being yeah, horror kind of, for a while. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, I definitely think Seven uh, rebooting the franchise, like I have to imagine, was inspired. By yeah. Outlast in some way, shape, or form. Uh, as I mean, I mean, I, I did <laughs> obviously I didn't talk to them, but uh, so I, I wouldn't say for sure. But that it definitely felt that way. Uh, you know, we we are we are talking with the guys from Frictional. The uh, uh, Thomas Griff from Frictional and I have been exchanging emails over the years. Uh, they've been uh, super cool with us. Like, um, but. Uh, yeah, what's the next big thing in terms of horror? I guess if if VR can become a little more accessible, that would probably be a big a, a big step forward in terms of experience and immersion. But it's so hard to make it work. It feels like there's always there's always too many people with uh, uh, motion sickness. Uh, is that say it in English? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So so yeah, so it's it's difficult. It's uh, it's 
right now it feels like you no know, if you go if you because even if you take Resident Evil like I, I remember in the um, Resident Evil 7 um you know a lot of scripted events in a in the normal version of the game you would interact for example you interact with the ladder and then you would see your character transitioning to the ladder and then you get control back but in the VR version they fade to black to cut out that transition because every mm-hmm. time you take you take control away from the player and you make the camera move for for them, that's when you get a lot of motion sickness. So they basically they, they eliminated the problem by just not showing the the the, the transition. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in our case, if we ever do a horror game, I, I I would prefer we build it from the ground up for for VR, even mm-hmm. if it's a small. Uh, a small experience you can make it like super intense um and you know we've been talking about it uh, on and off over the years but it's really more for now at least a uh a, a business perspective that like, i think i think vr can be a really good marketing tool to m- get people to talk about your game because those who play it in vr are gonna create a a, a lot of noise but if is there money to be made with a purely VR game, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's like an interesting question. chicken, chicken or the egg yeah. thing. Of yeah, what about, um, it what just about feels mobile? Like such a, yeah. Is there a market for mobile mobile scares? Mobile, yeah, is it? Is, does one exist? Is there like a good mobile horror game? Tomogo uh, made a game called Yearwalk that was like a spooky, a spooky point and click adventure game that literally scared me. It was. I'm like, I'm holding my phone. I'm like, why am I scared? <laughs> 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 but it worked. I mean, we, we we did release uh, the first two games on the Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a, a a bigger screen than a than a phone, uh, and and it's all I'm it's all reasonably well. Uh, it's not as much as the other console for sure, but yeah, I'm really curious to see how uh, Resident Evil is going to be uh, how right. it's going to go, uh, especially the price point is. Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's full, sixty full bucks. Price? Yeah, it's like sixty bucks for a retail price for a mobile game. Yeah, I also just imagine that phone's going to get very hot. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you see the video that was going around of the guy essentially saying that the iPhone's new capabilities was going to like wipe the console market? But he had his iPhone on some, with some big aftermarket cooler strapped to it, and then like a bunch of HDMI cables plugged into his. Like it looked ridiculous. You're like at this point, it's probably just a PC or a console, <laughs> right? You're like this, yeah. you don't need to do all this. It'd yeah. be funny if uh, if it's a, a really low tech ice pack with some <laughs> yeah. some uh, elastics yeah. around yeah. just to hold it together. This is my dinner afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the iPhone just cooked it. Like yeah, ready to eat now. Put a bag of popcorn under it, and uh, that would be that be that, that video will go viral. Oh, yeah. So. No, no, really to VR or to mobile. What, what about like the the locations it, themselves? I feel like most of them are set in uh, in forests or an abandoned building. Is there ever is there anyone gonna try to do like a, a daytime horror? Just as a challenge, there's an entire well, one within the daylight. Which one? I think uh, one, of the, one of the amnesias had a lot. Yeah, of amnesias, stuff, right? Yeah, it's the the thing is that. Uh, no, and we we uh, experienced it with a uh, with Outlast two, um, with uh, you no know, the more open environments. Uh, 
it, it, it that that part varies a lot from players to players. Uh, so so for example, if if I if I take the uh, the difference between a corridor and a, a cornfield, uh, we we got some response uh, for the cornfield. Like some some players like were super scared in the cornfield. Like uh, I even remember reading about uh, some some people saying it reminds them of scary childhood uh, trauma. <laughs> yeah. um, but for for other people, it didn't work at all. Like like mm. no, they unless you, you put them in a corridor with a roof and 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 yeah. and not knowing what's around the corner, uh, they're not going to be scared. So and it, that's something that's hard with with horror is 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 that you no, know, there's some common then de de uh, denominator, uh, but it's also very very subjective. What's what scares sure. you? What what mm -hmm. doesn't? And I think with the with the daylight, it's a bit of the same thing. So yes, you might be able to scare um, a lot of people, but there's a group of players that you know are just not never going to be as scared if there's a big uh, uh, bright sun. Uh, so it's not. Then again, you know maybe you can find a visual treatment where you know it's it's in it's during the day and it's sunny, but you're still able to, like for example, maybe um, if you think about the movie The Road. Uh, no, it's not. It's in the daytime, but it's not bright sun. So mm -hmm. maybe you know, there's a way to find a visual treatment uh, that still conveys a, a feeling of desperation and isolation, even if it happens during uh, during daytime. But really, at this point, it becomes more like a, uh, I guess, like we did for Outlast, when it becomes a gamble. Like, uh, are we gonna are we gonna lose players? Are we gonna gain players? And um but yeah uh it's it's not i'm i'm up for the challenge <laughs> i always like a challenge uh but yeah for now we didn't we didn't tackle this one although you know the, the fact that the game takes place in huge anger uh we have some ideas like i i, I remember reading about even the uh the army was uh because the army really did stuff like this like i have a huge anger and create a uh an environment for the soldier to to train, and they would all even refrigerate some uh, some uh, to uh, some some hangars to train, so the, the the soldiers could train as if they were in the in the cold and the snow and all that. So obviously, you, you take that idea, then you crank it up to eleven because it's outlast. Then you know you could have like hangars uh, with that are that are recreating a snowstorm or uh, a desert, you know, with the Huge eating lamps uh, above the player, the players' heads, and uh, and then you know, we'll maybe maybe that's how we'll we'll give it a go to uh, create something to, during during daytime. What feels like 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 daytime, a fake Ooh, daytime in our case. <laughs> yeah, I always liked how Super Mario Bros. Three turned the sun itself into an enemy that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, like I always that sun just comes out of the sky and tries to attack you. Like that's frightening. That was the original like nemesis in Pyramid Head. Was was that angry son in Mario? <laughs> <laughs> well, we tried it a little bit at the end of Outlast Two. You know, the uh, the very end yeah. of Outlast Two. It's 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 during daytime, and that's and it's funny you talk about the the suns being scary because that's what we're trying to convey at the end. As if you know the I don't know. It's maybe it's a personal thing, but you no. Know, uh, uh, what was it? Melancholy? Melancholia? Melancholia? There's a movie yeah. with uh, Kirsten Dunst. And yeah, Melancholia, the Lars Yeah, yeah, movie. yeah. And there's this image 
have uh, I think it's the sun coming to collide with the with the earth mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that's what I mean I don't think we we fully pull it off but uh, that's what we were trying to convey at the end of our last two I think I called that like literally when we were out that part in the stream I was like oh it's just like melancholy because <laughs> 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 also reminds me of Majora's Mask and I'm like yes these are all the things I like life. Yeah, it's uh, all together right here. all in one uh, also really quick uh, William welcome to Early Access Pyromancer welcome to the tip jar and Timothy welcome to Early Access thank you guys so much uh, Casey mm-hmm. were you say something oh no I said it okay <laughs> yeah, that Mario that Mar- uh, sounds creepy I had a quick when we were talking about uh, Resident Evil earlier uh there's something interesting. It feels like horror, even starting in, in horror movie franchises like the Friday the 13th or Halloween or, or Nightmare on Elm Street, and then the big game ones like Silent Hill and Resident Evil, um, Outlast, and then even something like Five Nights at Freddy's. They develop this intense um, fan base that loves the lore, and it feels like one of those genres where people just like, I know people who are obsessed with the lore of a thing more than the thing itself. They kind of want to just dive into that. And obviously with this game uh, taking place in, you know, the fifties kind of during the, the MK ultra uh, inspiration um, did like, how do you guys go about sort of creating this connected universe? Is there like a lore Bible? Is there ever like things you want to do, but you're like, Oh, would this step on the toes of what we did five years ago? That kind of thing. Oh, we, uh, we, 10 years ago, we knew exactly what, where we were going and no i'm just kidding <laughs> we're more uh i think i think you no know, because we have the same people working on those games since the beginning so even and and right the the, the decisions we did make uh at the beginning was that we want to create a universe like we didn't know if we were going to make a, a, a sequels or how many sequels? I'm a, we honestly, I, I didn't think we were gonna spend like ten years inside that that universe. But I get, maybe it's a it's a it's it's something that we got from working in a big studio that you you accept that if you create a hit, they'll just make more mm-hmm. of of that game. So might as well come up with the foundations of a of a universe. So. So even though you know, when we work on Outlast, uh, we did create a backstory for the Murkoff Corporation, uh, how it was created and where it came from and all that. Um, and then and then when we worked on Outlast, to, to be honest, we, we came up with the, the, the basis of, of the game. And then we, we decided how we were going to bring Murkoff in and how we would. But I think what what's what makes it work is that because we have the same people, the same scriptwriter working on the game, we draw from the same pool of ideas. We are attracted by the same thing. So, so, so the things that ma- uh, made us do Outlast, what we wanted to put do in Outlast, we still want to do those things today. I'm, not, yeah, I'm probably not making <laughs> a lot of sense right now, but I'm, you know, you know, our our choices ten years ago. Uh, we're based on the same things we make our choices today. So that's why, even though we didn't have all the answers 10 years ago, we're able to come up with answers now that you know, make sense for stuff we did even 10 years ago. Uh, but, you know, no, but in, for some things, we, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we uh, work out the solutions afterwards. Like, like, I'll, I don't know if I said this in a, an interview before, but 
you know, a lot of people were wondering how come there are no females in, in Outlast One. Um, and, and the, the only real reason is that because we didn't have the budget to create more variety of, of characters. Uh, but then, you know, we came up with a narrative solutions why there were no females in Mount Silver Asylum, you know, with, with those, uh, pregnancy, fake pregnancy story and all that. And, and then that may created a, a, a tie-in without last two at the end. Is there a real baby or not? Is she, is she pregnant or not? But that connects with, uh, the, 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 the backstory we expose in Whistleblower about why there were no longer, uh, uh, women working at the, at the, at the asylum. So, so yes, sometimes, you know, it's, it, you know, things evolve from a very, uh, well-defined, uh, pool of ideas, but other times, you know, we, we, we do find, uh, twists afterwards. You no, know? we're not, uh, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like we have a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's in our head. The Bible is in our go. head. Understood. But the cool thing, I, this this is something I, I, I enjoy a lot. Now, I read a lot of what the, uh, the players say about the games, um, and they come up with theories and all that. And I try to read as much as possible and, and then see where the wind is blowing. And then we're like, oh, people are really picking up on this detail. So let's let's exploit that more mm -hmm. either in the next game or the the case of Atlas Trials. It will be like new update. So it's the fact that I think the, the the fact that we're small allows us to take advantage of that kind of stuff. We don't have like an editorial team across the ocean uh, telling us uh, telling us what to do. It's, it's more like, and sometimes we're super reactive. Like we'll read something and then we'll talk with talk it talk it. Uh, among the team and just react upon it right 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 away yep that's canon now that's canon <laughs> <laughs> it's all jazz just, just yeah. canon as i go through but yeah the, the the thing is that then then maybe i i'm, I'm uh, dipping into more like uh uh you know, creation philosophy here but i think imagination is very uh it's mostly uh, reactionary so you need something to trigger uh, your, your, your thoughts. And, and sometimes that, that thing that triggers the top is, is basic, is, is a problem. So I have to solve this problem. So then you come up with a creative solution. So sometimes, you no, know, you know, people, even among the team, people will ask, so, so what's the idea behind this? So what you guys are going to do with it? And, and it's like, well, we don't know yet. No, we just think this is interesting now. And how we'll deal with it, we'll figure it out later. I mean, that's what we do. We're creative people, so we'll find a creative solution. And you know, when you get a good, it's surrounded by you know good developers and a very good team, then you know it's very likely that somebody will come up with a very good solution to uh, to the problem. And and you know what, what I like to, uh, to say is that you know we plant seeds and we watch when which which ones will grow. And then as they grow, we decide how, well, how we're going to use them, how we're going to exploit those, uh, uh, those seeds. And I think that's how you keep the, the experience fresh because you're not working based on the plan you came up like five or 10 years ago. You're reacting to what the players are telling you today. It's a conversation. I like that a lot, actually. 
Is that the now guy? So, so the players now scare themselves and they write the lore. <laughs> You're not afraid of your job. <laughs> no, they, they just make that. <laughs> it's a consistent philosophy though allows you to get back into the roots of that. Uh, I have a, had a curiosity uh, into your philosophy as I was looking through uh, the wiki. It says that you yourself were in charge for camera and AI specifically. Now, now is that true? Just to start uh, there. Well, I mean, camera and AI that was mostly Uncharted. Um, uh, yeah, they, no, I, I was. Uh, I was in charge of the uh, in-game camera on the the Sands of Time, mm -hmm. uh, it's a Sands of Time game, and Naughty Dog uh, came and hired me because of uh, uh, of that uh, of that game. So I I did the uh, camera system and uh, the camera design for the first Uncharted, and I and I also did the uh, most of the scripting of the enemies uh, mm -hmm. for that first game. Uh, on 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 the other on the Outlast games, it was not really <clears throat> its first person, so I didn't have to do that kind of camera work, camera system. Uh, but I did the most of the AI first uh, first two Outlast. Yeah, what, what what's what's that process like? Essentially, providing you know the, the antagonist to the player, you you know where they're going to come through. It is almost like you're making a film. Where you have, you know, your main character is improving, but everyone else is like, all right, in your places, mark your spots. What is it to you to make good horror AI? It's um, well, I mean, if if you you talk about introduction and all that, so if you if you go back to Outlast One and Outlast Two, yes, it's really it it really is highly influenced by movies. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll often sorry, I'm just gonna clear my phone. Oh, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I got COVID two weeks ago. And oh my I God! <laughs> it was not as bad as the first time, but uh, I still the sequel's have never as good as the original. <laughs> <laughs> there are some exceptions. Are some exceptions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, very very often I'll watch movies and I'll try to, I'll see a scene and I think that can be interactive and then i'll try to come up with solutions how we can make that moment work in an interactive context uh so the first outlast because they're a combination of interaction and scripted moments you're fully in control so it's really more about trying to come up with the you know the, as, even in outlast style the philosophy is always like you know, if we want to do something scripted and we want to control what the player is seeing then we got to come up with a justification for them to be uh, locked in position. For example, in the first Outlast, uh, you're knocked down by Trigger, and then he puts you in a wheelchair, and he pushes you to where he's going to uh, take care of you. So uh, that's an example of how you can you know, stage something uh, without turning it into a full cinematic, where you, do, you just put the controller down and you wait for the cinematic to be over. Uh, in Outlast Trials, it's it's harder because we cannot do those scripted moments because you, you know there are there might be four players, so you cannot like you cannot have like four wheelchairs uh, being pushed at the same at the same at the same time. Uh, so you gotta focus more on what's the stuff in the background and then come up with a, a, a layout and a staging that increase the probability of players. Uh, putting their focus on the scene 
even if they might not do it. So it's it's kind of a it's it's more work in, in, in a way, uh, and at the same time, you know, it's it's more. <laughs> that's I guess that's the irony is that it's more work uh, to 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 uh, to approach it like that. And it's it might be less rewarding because you know the players might decide I don't want to look at your scripted event, so I'm just going to look away, and that's it. That's all. Okay. Uh, but I think when you've got people that are, I think by nature, people want to go through the experience you've designed for them. Um, you know, every once in a while, even myself, I know I'll, I'll I'll see if I can bug a game, or I'll I'll just be like, I'm sure there's a collision. Fuck right there. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna find the hole in the collision in that <laughs> corner. <laughs> uh, but 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 really, as players, I think mo- uh, we we don't have that uh, that 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 behavior. So I think you know if, we, if you present a, a scripted event, for example, you know in level uh, fun park. There's Gooseberry uh, above the uh, garage door, like doing your thing to uh, the NPC, like you know taking your face off and all that. Um, so yeah, the players are able to roam around, and but I think you know the first time people go through it, they'll want to watch. And then the gr- good thing about it is that you know when they replay the level, they don't have to watch it if they've seen it already. So, but it's still happening a little bit, like I uh, was we were talking about you know the Disney rides and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're not fully paying attention to what's happening, it still puts you in a vibe. It still mm-hmm. does its job to um, to remind you uh, what you're there for, and 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 so it doesn't matter as much if players are not like specifically watching the scripted event every time they go through it. The uh, same thing at police station when the coil uh, comes up to the bars and you know and yells at you and slams the bar with his electric baton, and you know. You, you, you you can choose not to look at it, uh, but even just the sound, just hearing it, puts you in the right mood. And really, that's that's all it is. Uh, at the end of the day, is that those moments are there to provide a context, so that you know the uh, this the the scary part of the game uh, can work after that. Go, going along with that, uh, True Mandalorian in the chat gave a $10 donation. Thank you so much, True Mando. Uh, said, hi, Phil. While the imagery and presentation of horror can be graphic and unnerving, do you feel that horror games ultimately are therapeutic and healing, despite its often difficult subject matters? Yeah, right. What's your kind of philosophy on, on horror in general? Is this therapy for you? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's... Uh, I was talking about the movie... Uh, uh, Deliverance uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a scene in, uh, I don't know if you remember that movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, it's a, an old West Raven movie where uh, at some point, I think a character, Bill Pullman, gets stabbed uh, uh, between the legs. And I think as as uh, as men, it's uh, something that you know, we always like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's, I'm not sure what's the right word in English, but it's like a, it's like something we're we're born naturally scared of. <laughs> <It's> getting, <laughs> I, I certainly don't want to be stabbed. Between the <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be stabbed anywhere, but that's like but, a top five place. You, you got to pick. Let's not do that one. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah. So 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 we I, we took that idea and for a whistleblower, you know, we turned it into the scene where you're strapped on the table. Uh, you're, you're you're naked and feeling uh, very vulnerable. Um, I think 
yeah, those ideas come from uh, what makes me, uh, uh, well, I mean, depending on the idea and the person who gives it might be different, but in my case, uh, it really comes from stuff that makes me like really, uh, uh, what's uh, uh, an inch? No, that's not the right word, sorry. Uh, well, it is now. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> we make but, up words here. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it makes you uncomfortable, I guess yeah. that's, what I, that, that's what I'm saying. So, so, yeah, it's it, try to come up with stuff that makes people uncomfortable, whether it's by their visual or by their thematic. And because I think, I think you know whether whether it's games or movies or books or whatever, it's when you you go through the, this kind of emotion that maybe the experience you'll come out of of the experience with something, something will stay with you, and that might. Uh, 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 affect you uh, 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 more long term uh, than you know a, a game that can be super fun to play, but you just forget about it as soon as you're as you're as you're done. So I guess that's the ultimate goal, really. Is uh, if you're able to come up with a game you know, that stays with uh, with players for weeks and weeks after they're done playing, that's uh, yeah, that's some something we I don't there, there's you hear about that kind of stuff more often about books and. And that. We don't seem to talk about that kind of stuff when it comes to games as much. Uh, but really, I think on our side, that's what we're after: is like try to give players an experience that's going to stay with them for uh, for a while. Uh, I, uh, yeah, that's. I think that's what's yeah. the most rewarding. So, horror, horror in general is interesting um, because I feel like, especially horror movies, there's such a uh, power and like the communal experience of them and seeing them in the theaters. And there's a reason why that's one of the genres that's sort of maintained at the box office and continues to see hits. You know, when other genres might be faltering a little bit. Um, and so I, I don't know. It almost feels like there's a there's a catharsis there of when a big scare happens. And you could tell everyone was scared, and then there's kind of yeah. a laughter after it of like we survived that. It's like when there's turbulence on oh, a plane, and everyone thought they were gonna die, but now everyone's like, "All right, we're not gonna die. We're actually yeah. we did this. We did this together." And so I guess I feel like I guess in that way, the multiplayerification of horror that we've been seeing over the last couple of years makes sense in this because horrors always had sort of a communal element to it. Yeah, and and, and we we saw it without last trials. Uh, even the, the very first day the the game came out. Um, you know, there's this uh, scene in the chapel where you have to cre- recreate a first communion uh, with the dude on the cross, and 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 there was there was the, these people they were playing in a team of four, and they were chopping the legs off, and one of them one of them said, um, "I don't feel like I should be doing this. I'm not sure I should be doing this. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm Christian and all that." And then the other players were like. Just, just complete the objective, okay? We have to complete the objective. Like, just, just, just let's keep Jesus sawing. Will understand it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't. The, to, to me, just, just, just being, just have, have, uh, providing uh, uh, a, a game that that creates this moment of interaction between those two yeah. people. I think is, I, I think it's awesome and fascinating at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like the, 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 the we'll see if the brainwash works after that. Yeah, that definitely seems like the sort of thing that people would remember, like as a fun memory. Like, yes, it was like scary at the moment, but like over time it becomes a fun thing. Like, 
do is there something you remember from like either a scary video game or scary movie that has stuck with you and like maybe creeped its way into Outlast in some form or fashion? Well, the uh, my oldest memory of a scary scene, I uh, I must have been like six or seven years old, and my father was watching The Omen in the basement. And I remember like walking down the stairs and catching the the movie uh, when uh, the, uh, the 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 wife uh, is in the, the hospital and Gregory Peck just called her saying, "You gotta leave the hospital. You gotta you gotta you gotta leave right na- right now." And then as she's she's dressing up, having a hard time dressing up because of uh, her injury, the uh, nanny walks in the hospital bedroom and there's this close-up of the nanny's face uh, uh, um, through a, ve- uh, a veil uh, and the face she makes scared me so much and it stayed with me for years and years just that and I and you know is is it influenced me in Outlast probably in some way like especially you know, when, when you create those moments where you have the, the big, big close-ups mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really simple scene. Like there's no words. It's just it's pure visual and music. But if the face is yeah, the face she makes is I don't know. It just haunts me forever. <laughs> and then of course there's the uh, um, you know uh, the call is coming from the house uh, mm-hmm. moment. I, I didn't experience it as a as a as a spectator. That story was told by, by me, by my babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> so the, my babysitter told me the story of that movie. And just hearing about it was enough for me to uh, be uh, like every time I would end up alone in the house because my parents would be away or whatever. And the phone would ring. I would think about that that <laughs> that uh, that story. Have, but, you, uh, have but, you gone back and watched uh, the Omen like at all? Like, have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it several times. I was just thinking, like, uh, there was uh, like my my when I was a kid, my dad, and my older brother would like watch a ton of horror stuff, and I saw like way too much, way too early. Uh, and there was this one memory of an early episode of the X Files that stuck with me of this monster called the Fluke Man, and he was this weird little like like skinless toilet man who would like crawl up your toilet but he was like a man whatever it it it's sort of like it, it was in the back of my head for decades and just over the past two months i've been re-watching the x-files and i got to the fluke man episode and i was like this is gonna terrify me and i watched it and i'm like this is so dumb i was such a <laughs> guy was such an idiot. like this is, there's not like an ounce of fear like there's nothing here like how did this happen um so yeah well it's, 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 it's not happen even they know the uh the halloween movie mm-hmm. uh like I, I didn't see it when it came out. I, w- I was too young, uh, but you know, I, I really enjoy and I, I like that movie. But it's definitely not as scary as it must have been. But when it came out back sure, then, yeah. uh, I don't think like like no. I was talking about my daughter with with whom I, I, I watch a lot of horror movies when she started uh, teenage years, but. But yeah, for her, like movies like Halloween or even The Shining, like they, she she likes those movies, but they're definitely not as scary. Uh, but then again, a movie like Alien, I think was is still very very effective. 
yeah. uh, even to, even today. Uh, you, you were talking about uh, if uh, talking about the omen. I just remembered, like like the scene uh, when the photogra- photographer gets uh, impaled by something that falls from the chair. That that's actually uh, the the uh, inspiration for uh, in Outlast Two when Martha gets uh, gets impaled. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, oh, yeah that that oh, came cool. that came from direct the reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was wondering that because I believe you majored in the cinema, did you not? Uh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yes, was... uh, back then there was no video game program, and honestly, oh, right. I never. I never thought I would end up in the video game back then, but but yeah, a lot of and and we were like Patrice Desilets was in the same program. Uh, he was uh, the year after me, uh, and also there's another guy who was in the same year as me who uh, was currently working on the West Coast. I think he worked for a while at Crystal Dynamics. I'm not sure. Yeah, but we were, so we're uh, there's a bunch of us that came out of those years of. Uh, um, who ended up in the video game industry because you no, know, there was nobody knew how to make games here in the uh, in the uh, in Montreal area, so they were basically hiring people based on their uh, potential. And I guess cinema for game designers was the, one of the closest thing mm. you could find to a proper uh, uh, ed- education. Um, but other than that, I know my I, probably my biggest influence for Atlas is Clive Barker. I read a lot of Clive Barker. When I was a teenager and up in my early days, and uh, I think I'll, I thought if you're familiar with Clive Barker, the sensibility, the kind of horror he does, there's a lot of that in uh, in Outlast. You know, the, uh, uh, always on playing and uh, with a lot of sexuality stuff and very gory in your face, and uh, at the same time try to add some different layers. So. I mean, and the funny part is that I didn't realize uh, realize it until I was working on Outlast 2 and somebody on the team made a comment about Clive Barker and then I realized, oh shit, yeah, because I, I read a lot of <laughs> a lot of Clive Barker and then I, I just moved on to something else. Like, I think my, the last one I read was Magica and uh, and after that, I just I just stopped reading Clive, uh, Clive Barker and kind of forgot about it. And it's only at that point during Outlast 2 I realized how much it was insane. Yeah, it was, uh, it was still in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> does, any, uh, does any modern stuff influence you as well? Do you find it as effective for, for like, stimming the creative mind as well, compared to the older stuff? Clive no, Parker's talk- Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the wreck and quarantine. So, obviously, though, those were a big uh, influence on the... Uh, Created out last ten, ten years ago, uh, and there, there was a big, obviously a big wave of movies uh, with the, using the technique of the uh, camera as the first, uh, as the point of view. Right, right. Um, not so much in games, so that's why we decided to uh, roll with it uh, in games as well. Uh, but yeah, Red Quarantine, Blair Witch Project, uh, Paranormal Activity. Uh, and then, yeah, there was classic ones like like Shining, uh, was also like if you, uh, yeah, I, I probably cannot, yeah, because the very first you know, the very first trailer we released for Outlast was basically what we call a fake game footage, so it looks like it's it's in the game and it's rendered in the game, but it's 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 scripted and more like a cinematic. So we released that trailer in uh, October two thousand twelve. 
but it's pretty much the same trailer we used to find money. Uh, but at the at the beginning, we didn't have a composer, so I created the Tem soundtrack, and there was a lot of stuff from The Shining uh, in it. Lig- um, Ligeti, very abstract music, uh, playing with the voices. Um, so, so uh, yeah, the, 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 we still have that version, obviously, but uh, for copyright reason, we couldn't uh, we couldn't show it. But it's uh, I even played a piano for the intro. I created a little piano intro, intro at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I mean, you do what you can when you have no money. That's the realest sense ever said on this podcast. That's <laughs> and then we, we, shipped the, we shipped the first soft last. I think we, we, we had like maybe a, a month worth of money uh, in the bank account of the company. We emptied, uh, we emptied everything. Uh, we were all in like houses and uh, credit margins and uh, yeah, and That's so terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That's like so <laughs> much scared anything you've done so far. The the funny thing is that you know once we finally got the money from the, the from the CMF, we were like, all right, that was the hard part. Now the easy part is going to make the game. We know how to make yeah. a game. We didn't know how to find money, but we right. know how to make a game. Yeah. So, but it took us like I think. That first hour of Outlast, we worked on it for six months, and and after that we had six months to make the rest of the game, <laughs> of the game. You know when we went to PAX East and you know uh, uh, IGN played it and then PewDiePie played it, so we like all right, we have an awesome demo, uh, and we know the, the beginning of the game is working, but we we have to ship the game before we run out of money. So yeah, we we uh, the team uh, the team worked really really hard. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of crunching, uh, I have to say, uh, back then, uh, and some some uh, white nights. <laughs> Does uh, what 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 feels different launching a game in uh, twenty twenty three compared to two thousand thirteen? Um, you know, obviously, it's a very different scenario launching a game into early access, um, and you're launching it with the sort of pedigree of the games uh, before you, but. Um, like what? What did it? What did it feel like when you kind of finally pulled the pulled the trigger on you know both well, the beta and the early? The biggest the biggest difference is is the that no we, with the previous games it was you launched a game and then yes you may work on a patch in the next few weeks to fix a few bugs and maybe some balancing issue but pretty much you're done when the game comes out you're 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 done and then you can take a break and move on to the next project and the biggest difference with this one is that you. Know, Releasing the game is just the beginning of it. Um, so yes, you know, especially uh, with early access. No, we we were not necessarily all in as much as we were with the first Outlast in the sense of uh, you know, we have to release the game before we run out of money. But you know, after working six years on the game and the team growing um, uh, to, uh, up to I think we were like 40, 43 people release early access. Um, we were kind of get in a situation where we were not co- uncomfortable yet, but we were getting close to being uncomfortable. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the game needed to come out, and we needed to have some 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 revenues. And uh, but yeah, the biggest thing is because it's a live game. No, previous two games we worked, we would work really hard in the last four to six months. Which wouldn't make sense. I mean, you, 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 there's always a, a little bit of a crunch at the end, and I don't have to be careful with the word, but 
you know, it's it's you know, you, ideas always always come in. I, there's always that's that's probably the biggest difference between let's say making a movie than ma- making a game is is that you have everybody is there working on it from the start to finish. When a movie, there are phases and there are different people involved depending on the on the on the on the phase of the of the project. So, and and very often it's 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 when the game starts to. Um, uh, to you put all the pieces together, that that you realize, oh yeah, this is what we have, and then somebody's gonna be like, oh shit, I know how to do now this thing we've been wondering for two years how to how to how to deal with it. Now now that I get to the uh, to see the, the 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 picture of the puzzle, I know how to fill that hole. I know how to solve this. So very often, what happens is that you get all these solutions in the last few months of production. And then you have to decide: you know, do we try to squeeze those in, or just like keep them, keep them for later? So very often, that's why you end you end up with a crunch at the end. Um, and that's very often that's when you quality of the game takes a big step up because you get all these good ideas uh, at the end because people now have most of the game in front of them, so they can spot there's a hole here and how to how, how to fill it. Um, but yeah, to, to go back to, to your original uh, uh, question, uh, the fact that it's a live game is definitely the biggest the biggest difference. Uh, uh, but for everything else, uh, I think I think what's changing is the, the how you market the game, uh, how you approach marketing, and how you uh, how you make pe- get people to talk about your game. Uh, like a, we started the first Outlast, it was just the beginning of the wave of the streamers. Uh, now it's no, it's 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 a, it's a big chunk of your marketing plan, yeah, <laughs> if yeah. not the biggest chunk of your marketing. Plan. I am, I'm still amazed every time I come across like I don't watch a lot of streams, but I watch a lot of video essays. Um, and I come across a new person on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, this video is great. They must be new. And I look, and I'm like, they have four million subscribers, and I don't know who this is. <laughs> yeah, this is my first like, time. It is this person. insane how many incredibly famous people there are now, or at least like prolific um it just feels so different than i'm sure i mean not only 10 years ago but um like what you were when you started off you know uh, the the ps3 360 era of, of assassin's creed you know sands of time uh, uh I, had, uh, I mean was, one you were just every, the, everything yeah, uh, magazines and sites right yeah yeah i yeah, know it was back then you know it was all about e3 and uh uh get trying to get an exclusivity deal with the uh game informer ig mm-hmm. or whatever yeah and you know that those were the tools at your disposal to get people to talk about your game. Uh, now, the good thing, you know, what, what's interesting with, at least for us, is that you know, we were with the streamers, we were able to get people to talk about the game without having necessarily to invest as much as uh, you would have to in the in the old days. Um, so it's I can I, you know, it's the same thing with the uh, we going from retail to digital. So it it makes it more accessible, like when the, the fact that you you don't have to find a publisher and you don't have to worry about retail and and although we did we did, we did a physical uh, version of uh, Outlast One and Outlast Two, uh, like I'll, I guess I'll never know if it was worth it or not, but uh, uh, it was a it was a lot of a pain uh, at uh, trying to finish the game and then deal with all the 
the stuff that have to, that has to do with the uh, making a physical copy mm. theaters and all that. There's physical games that ship now without discs that are just like the box and a code. <laughs> a code, yeah. And a code <laughs> yourself, which like something you can hold on to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it is funny how many uh, how many games, even single player games, just are vastly different months years later as opposed i mean we just uh, cyberpunk the the cyberpunk just is ostensibly a new game now even though it released three years ago um and so that's that's i i understand that there's a lot of you know a lot of people are frustrated by that but it just seems like it's something everyone has to get used to yes it's it's the new world yeah 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 adapt or die yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's pretty spot on. That's your horror game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned if you could, uh, uh, it feels like uh, there's so many horror things being made uh, now based on you know known IP. You know, we're getting a killers, a killer clowns from outer space game. There's right. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game that came out. Uh, you know, Dead. Dead by Daylight is constantly folding in. Yeah, Evil Dead. Um, there was a Dragon Ball. <laughs> there was a Dragon Ball game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there, um, is there like a pie in the sky? Like if you could um, snap your fingers and kind of work on uh, any sort of property, you know, be it horror or not horror. Um, is there, is there something that you'd love to take a stab at? We uh, over the over the years, you no, know, we've we've been approached by. Uh, few publishers to work on some uh, known uh, known IPs uh, it really come it's not that there's a, a lack of interest on our part uh, far from it I mean some of those IPs we were like no <laughs> seriously considering uh, working on them but then you know we all, it always comes down to uh, business wise does it does it make sense um, for us to be working on this, I guess it, it would depend on the kind of deal you make, obviously. Uh, but uh, no, we when we have those conversations, we always go back to so what made the success of Red Battles and Outlast? You know, what made it work? How we and then try to analyze those opportunities through the lens of those. Um, conditions so so no i don't think we're we're a studio built by developers so very often you know you can have in these studios that that's they'll start with management and for us it's 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 the uh it's the opposite you know we we just like 10 devs no producer no no planning (laughs) no no marketing director and all that you know we were just like Doing a game we thought would be good, and 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 then hoping hoping for the best. So uh, when those opportunities come, sometimes we're we're more analyzing them through the lens of a of a developer. So you know, they may they might make sense business wise, or they might it might be an opportunity to grow the studio. Uh, say okay, let's let's have uh, everybody still working on Outlast, but then to to be able to do that IP, then we would have to go to the studio to 200 people, and then are we ready to do that? Uh, are we, you know, if we if we take advantage of this opportunity, are we also going to put ourselves in a in a in a context? Are, are we setting up ourselves to fail basically? Uh, because the winning conditions we got for Outlast at the beginning will not be there. Like, I mean, that's uh, I don't have like a, a bulletproof answer for this, uh, but it's it's. I don't think basically the door is not closed for the 
for for this kind of stuff. It's just like right now, we had the we were lucky enough to to have a successful IP right from the beginning of uh, the uh, the existence of the studio. So it makes more sense for us to work on that than some something else. Even though there's you know, a lot of IPs out there that we'd love to tackle. Yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, how flexible you guys are in terms of like seeing a fun fan theory or something and being like, oh, we can, we might be able to like weave this in. Whereas I, I know people who've worked on Disney properties, like, you know, a, a Star Wars or a Marvel thing, um, and been like, oh, if you have an idea, you need to send it up way up the ladder. Like, like <laughs> you need to get quite a bit of approval if you want to change uh, this character's lightsaber color. Like, this is, is this a real lightsaber color? No, we gotta, we gotta if, that's, if that's real. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine that kind of being. Uh, no, in that case, no. Oh, the, yeah, I mean, no, you've worked uh, at big studios before, so. Yeah, so you send one idea uh, the, down the line, and then you have to wait several weeks yeah, out it's get CC'd to four that. different continents. And it's just yeah. a yeah. no every time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just said no from the beginning and just not oh, the That's the no that went around the world. Right? Yeah, okay. exactly. And what about uh, the yeah. other way then? If if not working with these bigger IPs, would you care to see an Outlast movie or a show as games are now you know, getting into that space? You had to have been approached. There's no there's no world where you haven't been approached. That big old smile means yeah, we can't talk face. about it. <laughs> we can't talk about it. Uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost a, every year or so we and sometimes you know it's a, a, several months in a row we get approached. Uh, we we uh, actually at some point we negotiated uh, uh, up until the very end, but we dropped because it felt like the uh, movie studio was acquiring our IP without mm. buying uh. for the IP. Uh, you know, like like they would make a, a movie or a series out of Outlast, and then they would be able to make their own game based on the movie. Uh, and uh, we're like, well, we're still making Outlast games. We don't want somebody else to make Outlast yeah, games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we dropped that one. Uh, but uh, we are we're still hoping one day it's gonna it's gonna happen. We're actually have even the script. Uh, uh, I would say ready to shoot, but at least uh, uh, in, in good shape to uh, to discuss. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 on the table. I would say we're. I, I mean, it's it's too early to say with who we're talking to, but uh, every time we hope this it's going to be the uh, the good one. So let's hope that this time it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna happen. It does also feel like video game adaptations are. Um, it's just. That's a snowball yeah, it's, it's downhill a right now. Thing right now, yeah. Yeah, you see the um, you know the critical success of The Last of Us on HBO, and then the commercial success of the Mario yeah. movie, and how many things are in development. Obviously, a lot of things, you know, just because an announcement comes out, it doesn't mean that thing will ever see the light of day. But there is a Fallout show coming. Uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie comes out in like a week or two, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, it might be because you no, know, there's a uh, change of guard in the. Uh, and, and the movie studio, yeah, so you get, you get, yeah, exactly, and 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 those people now have played games and understand the medium of games, so it, it, it helps making better adaptations than the, what we uh, we saw in the past. Some of those '90s ones, yeah, the, the original Mario movie. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> there's, something, there's something nice about that. There's something quaint about about that era of of even like the Mortal Kombat movie or. Um, 
Yeah, that, mo- that original Mortal Kombat. All the Yui Bowl, uh, all the Yui Bowl movies. The Yui Bowl. Like yeah, yeah, I was about to say, no matter who had an app, you're thinking 2023. At least it wasn't that stretch of <laughs> Uwe Bowl. <laughs> then he was just threatening to box all the critics. That's what we need. We need more directors threatening to box critics. <laughs> <laughs> what did he, he did? Uh, Alone in the Dark and. Uh, I think he did Blood Rain. He did a Far yeah. Cry movie. He did oh, uh, yeah. House of the Dead, which incre- one of my favorite things in the House of the Dead movie is I think it was because it was low budget, but during certain action scenes, they just cut to video game footage. <laughs> and that was like an arcade game that looked cool for the time, but didn't look live action. And I'm like, what's happening here? Go full circle in FOV to video yeah. games. Exactly. You got to pay homage to the source material. Yeah, I, I'd love to uh, to uh, be in the meeting room where the decision was made to do that. Like, who who? What was the argument to convince people this with this? This is a good idea. This is what we should do. <laughs> I like it. I appreciate it. Uh, that's really funny. Um, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to keep you too much longer, and this is uh, getting close to our our quitting time. Uh, usually, uh, by the end, we talk about stuff we've been uh, playing or watching. Uh, have you have you gotten a chance to to play anything or or watch anything uh, that stuck uh, out to you, or are you sort of? Uh, I watched actually. I watched Talk to Me a couple of nights ago. Oh, nice! Yeah, what did you think? Uh, I really liked the the the, the setup. Yeah, uh, I think that was really, really interesting. Like for a while, yeah. You, I wasn't sure where it was going to go, so I think the uh, yeah the setup was was uh, was a, a lot of fun. I also saw um, no one will save you. I thought that was great. Yeah, the, yeah, was uh, how to make a horror movie with no dialogue. <laughs> yeah. uh, what else is there that I see? I, I talk talk to me uh, is another interesting example of like the paradigm shift because those guys started as they were YouTubers. Um, like a pair of, of okay, I didn't know the and then got the funding to make the movie. And now that movie was like a massive hit, like probably pre- like in terms of percent of budget to gross, like it's probably like the most profitable movie of the year um, hmm. because it just costs nothing to make. And it made a hundred million dollars globally. So um, they're working on a street fighter movie now. Really? Which, really? That's a, that's a okay. Yeah. Oh, it's a shift. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. You mentioned talk to me. And also with the Outlast script that you already had in mind, because I feel like right now horror has problems having sort of like contemporary urban settings because they have to deal with phones. Imagine all the older films, the amount of problems that we could have solved with just having a phone. The phone is calling from inside the house. I would not have picked it up. You text me. I'm not, I'm not answering that, that phone. There. You know, so uh, do, you, do you feel like that's something that video games still overcome? That, that whole like, well the suspension of disbelief because you would just have a phone. I feel like it does. And I used to think movies and video games, if they were both horror, they were about even ish, but now I feel like it's starting to get easier or it's getting less difficult to be scared by video games. Whereas in a film, I I have to overcome the, the phone dilemma. I call it where it's just like, I would have just had a phone. Well, there's also in movies, the, uh, you know, you, there's always like the character making the decision. You're like, well, there's no way mm-hmm. no a person would have made that choice. And yeah. that, you know, don't go in that basement. Just yeah, leave. Yeah, exactly. What if you just leave? 
the 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 with games it's it's you know you you have to do what the objectives are telling you to do yeah. i guess the other choice can be to say oh, i'm quitting this game and i'm just not playing anymore but if you want to keep playing then you have to go down the basement and turn on the generator and find the gas and cut this guy's out. legs off even if you're <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so it, I guess in a way, it makes it makes our jobs uh, easier uh, uh, with games uh, in that regard. But uh, no, it's uh, making our is always about there has to be some limitation somewhere. Like you get, you have to uh, one way or another convey a feeling of uh, you know, you're not you're not all par- powerful. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know. Uh, in, in, in our case, uh, you know, you don't have a, a, a way to, uh, especially in the old games where you had zero, zero way of fight back in all that's trials. We added some, some interactions, um, but there was no way to fight back. Like in other horror games like Resident Evil, yes, you have a gun, but you know, you run as fast as an old grandpa. So, <laughs> it's, it's, so no, it's it's just like no. No, the, the whole debate about that because we see all these comments very often. Oh, you guys should have a gun. You guys should have a gun, and and it's like, well, it's, the, yes, a Resident Evil has a gun, but you no, know, they, they, there's some, there are other things your character cannot do, in mm-hmm. uh, in those games that you no, know, you can do. So on our on in our side, we decided to focus on the chase and run and hide and getting away and all that. Um, so I think you know, talking about the cell phone. So I guess yes, that can be part of the. Uh, of the uh, of the premise of a game is now uh, are you able to communicate and are you uh, isolated from out, from outside so that that's you know your, you mentioned urban setting you know that maybe you, you might have narratively to find a justification why cell phones are not working or even the electricity is sparse uh, so you know what that, what is that reason? It can be a lot of things. You know, you can if you're making a Rainbow Six games, you'll go for an EMP bomb. <laughs> so, okay. so somebody planted an EMP bomb, and then your uh, electricity is down, and the com is are are, are down. Um, you know, in the case of an Outlast game, maybe some some uh, some uh, all hell broke loose in the in the asylum, or and then the, uh, the 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 patients are taking over the village or whatever. No. Uh, but yeah, it's true that you have to deal with those what if. That's that's what we call them usually. It says, you know, what if this, what if what if that? And then you gotta find an answer. At at the very least, you gotta find answers that satis- will satisfy most people. There's always mm-hmm. gonna be you can poke um you, you can find holes in the logic of any movie, game, or video game, if you're motivated, like if you want to take it down, you, you're going to find holes. Like, you know, I love it. we all like Christopher Nolan and his crazy fantasies, but if you take Inception and you want sure. to find holes, you'll yeah. find holes in this. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All art like that requires a some modicum of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. You gotta yeah. Exactly. So, over to the yeah. I, I think in the case of games, like when players come to our game, no, they, they, they're looking to be scared. So whatever, they, you have to do enough to make them believe in the world, and then they'll, they'll do the rest because they're, they are there to be scared. So they don't, they don't want to find reasons to um, disarm 
uh, yeah. the game themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always feel it is because it is them that they're willing to go into the game and accept the situation where it's like, I don't have a phone. Whereas when yeah. you're watching a, a movie, you're almost judging other people. So it's like, oh, what an idiot. Whereas yeah. here, I'm not the idiot. I just don't have a phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, for that specific reason, though, like I always like when rather than justifying them not having a phone or the phone breaking, it's more like my phone battery is dying because <laughs> it's like Cause you can relate a, with that. Yeah, because like there's a chance, yeah. like my phone is always dying. There's a chance yeah. that I could get something, but like as soon as I do, then it's finally dead, and now now yeah. we're really scared because yeah. your your last bit of hope just drained away. Yeah. No, something would be interesting is that you start the game and your phone is working, and you are in contact with somebody outside uh, your 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 own situation. But then at some point, like you're saying, battery runs out. Mm-hmm. There's no way to charge it. And then you can play with that uh, feeling of being disconnected and isolated because you started the game with some other character you were talking to. And then, boom, you're mm-hmm. by yourself and nobody is. Yeah. Uh, well, especially if you give it, yeah, if it's in the player's hands, like if the player can choose when or when not to use the phone. And so you could, like, in the same way that I always, when I play Resident Evil games, I like save all my Magnum bullets until the end. <laughs> I could save all my cell phone juice until the end <laughs> and then just fucking shazam the boss to death. <laughs> it's like, that would be like difficult. What if someone like sat on the key or something? It's like, oh God, I drained the whole thing. Oh, right no, I, I had my flashlight out of the back pocket and I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, Casey, you've been, you've been playing, playing, watching anything? Uh, I, I can't talk about anything that I've been playing. No, you really can't. I'm, I'm positive that nobody wants to hear me continue talking about one piece so i'm just gonna <laughs> i everyone wants to hear you talk about one piece are they still fighting on that island they are still, still fighting one in, piece i'm still Halloween's in the kaido arc like i took a, I took a big ass break i came back but i i am i'm so hooked like weird there there's so much plot development in what's happening during this fight like it's not even about the seven or eight different fights that are occurring anymore it's really a bunch of individual characters like personal stories are being pushed forward in the margins of this backdrop of all out war everybody's fighting everybody and that i don't know like oda is a genius i'm sorry but like that man is a fantastic writer for him to be doing this for this long and to still have me kind of at the edge of my seat trying to just patiently waiting to find out how does this conclude like, I don't even, like, the animation is fantastic, the fighting is good, but I don't even care about that, because I just want to know w- how the story ends for these other characters. But um, I'm still I'm still working my way through it. I've been putting is on that, Castlevania because of One Piece, so. Do you think One Piece is going to end up being, like, one of the most impressive long-form, especially single-author single stories? Like, is it is it not already? Because I, like, I, I can't think uh, of what to, else. He can't end it. He's not allowed to end it. He has to die. No, he no, he has an he ending has in mind. Die. There's no ending that you can give that that will match what it's been given so that, far. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to like put all this pressure on Oda or like hype it up or anything. But I feel like because of what he's able, he's been able to achieve at this point, he might be the only one who could achieve that. <laughs> who could be like, all right, this has gone on forever, and when it finally comes to an end, it was a satisfying end. I feel like he's well within capability of doing that because like it's so impressive how good it still is after all this time i think you have a healthy distancing from the fan base <laughs> <laughs> don't go to r slash one piece do not, yeah, do not communicate with anyone who has a one piece shirt 
him and George R. R. Martin, very they can do whatever they want now. Is there a is is there a video game equivalent? Like, what is a game story that's being that's been told for that long, especially by like a single oh. author? Because we have Assassin's Creeds coming out and stuff, but like that's been through so many hands, and it's more like an the, anthology than a continuous story. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, that's a good question. Well, Un- Uncharted, uh, Uncharted, four games. Yeah. Druckmann's it's been pretty there. much the same yeah. people. I guess it was Kojima with Metal Gear was one of them when he was oh. doing Metal Gears over the course of twenty years. I I guess you could say yeah. I mean, if we're talking about that sort of oh, we've been waiting, and you could give us anything, and we'd be fine with it. It's Half Life Three, you know. <laughs> <That's not> real? <laughs> can't make thirds. <laughs> stops at two. <laughs> stops at two. It all stops at two. Portal uh, Three would be cool. All I've been <laughs> Portal. Could you imagine how good? Like it has to exist. I mean, I have several Portal Threes. What are you gonna do though? Like or Portal Three? It's a square now. <laughs> no, just <laughs> make more portals. Casey and I just played Portal Two. Just keep making portals. They have, yeah, they have so many mods though. Like they don't have it to make the game ever. Someone was telling us about a mod where they added a somebody added a third portal, and that portal like somehow time. yeah, like messed oh. up a time. time portal. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Try, try that. I can't be putting time portals in your game. Uh, Russ, what, uh, you got anything? You've been watching anything? Uh, I know you've see, also been yeah. playing stuff you can't talk about. But yes, it's the Halloween, though, and I started with the best Halloween movie being Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. There you go. Phenomenal. Now, animation, beautiful story. Just goes, hits its own pacing. It's got great voice acting. Voldemort's the bad guy. <laughs> Fantastic. Ray Fiennes or Voldemort the evil wizard? Well, his, his actor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fiennes is there. Yeah. Yeah. As far as, as far as games, I haven't. I don't think I've actually. I've, I've been writing more about games than I have been playing them. Isn't that just strange? Isn't it? You, you spend more time doing stuff around the games than actually playing them. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. What an interesting yeah. field here. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of though, that's why because I didn't have any. I had a good look at your IMDb real quick, and I want to see if some of these are real. Obviously, it has Outlast. Sure. Sean White snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> is that you? <laughs> My own personal Vietnam. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. It says creative director. The Nam, man. I've been to the Nam. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, after, after Uncharted, I was, I, I, we had to, uh, you know, I moved to LA with my family and daughters, and uh, we had to come back to Montreal for family reasons. And there was not a lot of options on the table. And, I really wanted uh, the experience of a creative di- director, and that was the only option oh, okay. available. Mm. So yes, I became. I think I was the third, third creative director on that project, and basically I was there to ship the game. There was just okay. there was not a lot of time to do. Uh, but uh, I met some great people on the project, and uh, Charles, Charles, who was a uh, game designer on Sean White, has become our head of production here. Uh, he's been mm-hmm. with us for the last two years, so cool. yeah, no, it was uh, and it was it was like sh- shipping two games uh, two years in a row. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot, especially Uncharted was a very very uh, uh, intense crunch uh, at the end. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I worked on. You, uh, was, was I played guitar with Sean White. Oh, I was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna ask, did you meet Sean White? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We um, I went to the uh, X Games. Uh, the winter before we ship, and uh, I'm not a snowboarder. Okay, I 
It, it was it was like, yeah, it was not a good guess. Just like but, hockey, nothing but hockey. Yeah, exactly. What else? What else is there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, there was the X Games, and I think uh, Target was uh, one of the sponsor of uh, Sean White uh, back then, and they rented this huge mansion uh, for him in his entourage and whatever. You know, the kind of mansion like you you can walk standing in the fireplace. That's that's a, and 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 they had a uh, a spot in the basement with uh, instruments in case he wanted to play, and there was a bunch of us on the team that uh, could play guitar, uh, so we got some acoustics uh, guitar. He was the only one with an electric guitar, and I think we played like the solo of "Say With Heaven" for fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And all, all I, all, what I remember is at some point looking at my guitar pick and the guitar pick was just like cut in half. <laughs> like I broke the guitar pick and I was basically like my, my fingers were about to bleed uh, because of playing those, those same three chords for like 10, 15 minutes while he's doing some, some solo. That's uh, an idea for an Outlast trial. <laughs> yeah, you gotta play for Sean White. Yeah. Make Sean White happy or die. Lovely. Sean White snowboarding. Uncharted. Oh, yeah. Assassin's Creed. Uh-huh. Prince of Persia. The Sands of Time. And now, Donald Duck going quackers. First game I worked on. Yeah. Incredible. That was my first game. I uh, was. Uh, I did a bit of everything. That was a very uh, a good learning uh, experience. I got to do. Uh, Level design, game design, uh, started my, uh, specialized myself with the in-game camera. Uh, so, yeah, Donald Duck going quackers. The interesting part of that project was it was supposed to be, we were supposed to be making the PC version. And then because pre-production was going so well, they decided, oh, how about you make like a PS2 version in six months? Um, and so we had to switch engine and... Every, all the 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 the, the gray boxing we had done for the levels and all that needed to be exported in the new engine and for months that engine was just like unworkable like uh, you would click on the waypoint and want you wanted to move it and then you'd be like be moving your mouse like just move just move just move and then poof the waypoint would go all the way to the extreme end of the universe and and there was no undo what you want to do like if if you fuck it up yeah, yeah, it's it's not like like okay, closing engine, lose your work. Uh, there's there was nothing you could do uh, without the anyway. It was it was a good learning. We had fun wow. though. We're a good team. Good da- David Shotwinef, who's uh, also a co-founder, uh, Red Barrels, and the one I was saying was the uh, 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 extreme uh, fans of our. He uh, he worked. Uh, we worked together uh, on that game. So David and I, we've known each other for five years now. As Jumbly mentioned, Shinji Mikami also started on uh, Aladdin and the Goof Troop game for Super Nintendo before doing Resident Evil. So maybe there's a path yeah. from doing uh, Disney games to making Nightmare Fuel. Makes sense. There's the Donald recipe. Duck, That's it. And then Outlast. Yeah. yeah. Straight line. Yeah. yeah. No, you you evacuate all those good feelings right away at the beginning yeah. of your career, <laughs> yeah. and then you spend the rest of it, you know, <laughs> hurting people. Did, any yeah. path, did anyone ever bring up in the Donald Duck game? If you could show his cloaca. <laughs> 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 
we want to show us. You're giving me ideas now. I want to make like a hardcore outlast version of a, a Donald Duck. All the Disney characters, like. Uh, Poo's in the, the public domain. You can throw yeah. it in there anytime you want. Yeah, Poo's in the public domain now. And then finish it off, because there's no way. Everything else has been accurate so far, but it says there's a film called Nico the Unicorn, and that you worked security? Uh, I was uh, like additional PA. Okay. So yeah, before you, I started working at Ubisoft, I, I worked on two, three movie sets like Nico. Unicorn was one of them. I worked on the Bone Collector. The Bone Collector with Denzel, uh, yeah. and then A Walk on the yeah. Moon with Viggo Mortensen. I can tell you that uh, when Denzel uh, is mad in real life, it sounds like he's in the movie. <laughs> Get your hands off that me. Is a, that is a man I would not want to make mad. Oh man, I, uh, I, I, I was. I didn't spend most of my time on, on the set itself because now I was like uh, uh, third additional AD. Uh, so I was mostly like taking care of the extras and uh, making sure people got on set on time. But I remember one day, uh, because no Denzel was uh, lying on the bed for most of the movie, uh, because it was paraplegic or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so every time they would uh, uh, say cut, um, there was like a secret door beside him to allow allow the people, the crew, to come back, to come on the set. And so very often they would walk by with you no know, uh, equipment or uh, two by fours or or whatever. And I guess at some point, then so I think he asked, "Can you guys stop using that door because you no know, equipment is getting too, too, too close to me?" Or I'm not sure exactly what was making him uncomfortable. But it didn't. It was not happening. So at some point, oh, he just decided to make sure everybody knew it was. It, he was requesting people to stop using this door, and it, it's. The delivery of that was was perfect. It's almost I don't know if he thought about it and practiced it in his head uh, during takes, but when he started yelling at everybody on the set that to stop using this door, it was like you thought you had the, the equalizer. Uh, no, I'm not <laughs> the set, and you'd be like, "Yes, Mr. Washington. Yes, yes, like, yes, Mr. Washington." Malcolm X at the pulpit, just like, "You're <laughs> <laughs> gonna leave this door closed." Uh, you think, I, I, kind of, I can honestly imagine him running through those lines in his head, being like, "This is how I'm gonna yell." So yeah. if, I, if I put the inflection here, this is really yeah, good. yeah. It's going to sound better. And so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's go, go for it. So all, all of that lined up. And then it's odd because you said uh, Donald Duck was your first one. Well, there's a game here called Pod. That's that's the mistake. I, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is, this, I, I don't know where one that one, one is coming from. Uh, I think it's, it's even on Moby Games. Like uh, I yeah. don't know if they uh, there was another Philip Morin on that uh, uh, on that project. But I remember yeah, that's the Pod one. was like a weird grungy it's PC a, racing a mining game. accident yeah. on the planet Io unleashes a virus. Yeah, you, so. but you're in like a you're in a car. It's a car oh, racing God. tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that game. I don't know why. I don't like <laughs> racing games or any of that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah that, that's what I've been playing. <laughs> like IMDb. Well, it's good. It seems like your IMDb is 90% accurate. Yeah, so you got to get close, pot out of there. As long as we yeah. get pot out of there, yeah. um, everything will be fine. <laughs> uh, Phil, we're hitting the two-hour mark. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, this was Thanks for having me. An, yeah, an incredible an incredible chat. Um, we want to let people know like what, what should folks check out. Obviously, the Outlast Trials is currently in early access yep. on Steam. Uh, we have a here, big like, update coming for Halloween. So uh, a new trial, new NK challenges, 
and lots of other stuff. So we're still growing the uh, growing the game. Uh, Does that console... have a date yet, or is just Nebulous Halloween? I uh, did we? Uh, it's it's like the last week of October. Cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. If, uh, yeah, it it should it should probably at the same time as the Steam sale Thursday. Uh, cool. Um, but yeah, so that's the the next big thing, and after that, uh, we're uh, full steam ahead for the consoles and the V1. And that's a 2024 uh, plan. Yeah, Q1, Q1, 2020. Very cool. That's awesome. Uh, Frost, what? Uh, oh, also, of course, uh, check out the uh, making of uh, the Outlast Rise yep. documentary uh, on uh, on on the Escapist. I'll drop a link in there. Uh, Frost, what do you have going on? What's, uh, what's again? What's again? Uh, just put out a cold take two days ago, talking about uh, the hype train is running out of steam, and in the early access, you got a stuff of legends in there talking about the RuneScape Falador massacre. That should be a fun one. Yeah. Why don't you have any nice stories on the stuff? <laughs> I've been trying to. Our editor was like, "This is bleak." <laughs> No one has happy stories in game development. He even had Nam with Sean White. <laughs> <laughs> <Happy development story. laughs> There's gotta be someone who has a happy story. Do you, yeah, do you have any creepy stories from Outlast? We could do a stuff of legends for you. But no one doesn't no <laughs> happiness in this industry. They make it. They don't there isn't any from the core. Well, I can tell you that the very first weekend after we released the early access was the best weekend of my professional career. That's it was awesome. so much fun. Anyway, no, it was seeing all the playthroughs and all ex- uh, being able to share this with the team. Like I remember like we were at 3 a.m. in the morning using uh, writing to each other on Discord. Did you check this stream? Did you get, check this stream? And, and then you know, it was, yeah, it was a very, very fun weekend. After six years, to finally be able to release this and seeing people enjoying it, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll. That weekend is, uh, yeah. Sorry, so still yeah. just still talking about feeling. it. I get the <laughs> twenty years in. You still get that feeling. You haven't become jaded. You haven't become too hard. Uh, no, no. Honestly, I, uh, I might, you know, if you, if you, if you ask me about what games I'm playing and all that, I may sound uh, uh, jaded. But in terms of making games and the fun of coming up with ideas and working, finding solutions with the team. Yeah, you know, it's still it's still something I find very very sa- satisfying. Uh, now, I, I you know when I started my career, I, for many years I was you know, like you said I, I studied cinema, so my ambition was to make movies. And for the first half of my career, I was trying to come out of video games to make make movies. Like I remember. Uh, mm. I was working on Uncharted, and at night I would w- work on my own script and all that. Uh, but I, I, but today, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I might produce a movie based on Outlast if that day comes. But otherwise, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't switch, switch place. Uh, I'm pretty satisfied with what we're doing Can these days and Red Battles. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's it's always challenging and it's never easy. But uh, yeah, I like making games. That's basically Frost, it in the nutshell. Frost wants to be an extra in the. Like, can I be an extra movie. in the movie? Ah, yeah. Chop sure. a leg off or two. <laughs> well, get a leg chopped off. Get it, yeah. <laughs> Axe picks between the leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, King Dead with the two dollar dono said, "Dev suffering leads to gamer happiness. Everyone suffers yeah. for their art." There you go. Yeah, uh, you, yeah, you, you do elicit these fears. What would a game that elicits just intense happiness look like? Is that a yeah, are you guys gonna make a happy game? You got a happy game in you? <laughs> I, I don't. After Outlast two, we were tempted. Like yeah. honestly, uh, we after working like uh, on Outlast one and Outlast two, we really. I think we mentioned it in the documentary, but we were we were fed up. We needed it to go some somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, that lasted a few months, and then uh, you know we came back to what we do naturally: make people right. suffer. <laughs> you haven't had a Donald Duck game in a while. The <laughs> Duck is always there. Uh, Casey, what do you got going on? Uh, yeah, uh, I see a couple people asking about it in the chat. Uh, apparently, no, we are not doing Kerbal tonight. Sorry. <laughs> um, we got that news pretty late in the day, so no Kerbal stream uh, after this. Uh, but you should be able to expect more Devil May Cry. Uh, last week was the first episode that me and Marty went through, uh, and it should be back up. You should be able to watch it now because the music has been muted. <laughs> Sorry, oh, it's still It's still not up. Nick, it's you still not up? Talk to YouTube. You gotta fight YouTube, Nick. Oh, crap. All right, that's my Nick fault. In the chat. I, I, put, I put licensed music at the start. Um, we will not have that problem going forward. But tomorrow night, more DMC. Uh, expect a string of uh, reviews from me dropping on the channel in the coming weeks. I can't talk about any of them yet, but you'll see them as they pop up. Um, Some of them are spooky adjacent. Yeah. One mm -hmm. in particular definitely uh, scarred me in a way. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, uh, check out the latest episodes of my podcast on my personal Twitch. Uh, the Sigma Show, a uh, new episode this past week with another brand new face. Uh, new episode coming up this Sunday as well. Uh, so just search it out on your favorite podcast listening service and you should be able to find it. Um, I think that's all I got. Oh, uh, Adventures Nigh this past Saturday out, episode six out for all interested parties um, and more Dokopon this Saturday, I think. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think we're all around, so... Uh, Squid Jam, one last uh, welcome to Early Access. Thank you so much. And yeah, everything they said, check out. Uh, we, have, we have so much great stuff on the YouTube channel, uh, on the website. Uh, check out the making of uh, the Outlast Trials for sure. An excellent doc. Uh, and then tomorrow we'll have a trio of streams. Uh, Zelda with Jesse at noon. Uh, Frost and I will be streaming um, Lords of the Fallen. Uh, the, the embargo will be up, and so we'll be doing a little launch day stream at 3 p.m. Uh, and then Casey and I are back. Jesus, why am I on three streams? Casey and I will be back for Devil May Cry at seven. Uh, I think Friday, uh, Frosty, you and, you and Amy are streaming again on Friday, so. normal uh, 2 p.m. time. And then, yeah, Dokapon on Saturday. Other than that, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. This was uh, an incredible chat. Um, congrats Thanks, on the, the, the launch of, uh, of, of Outlast Trials earlier in the year. And good luck on the push to this Halloween update soon. Uh, so for Frost and Casey and Phil, this was Marty. This was episode number 106. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for, for tuning in, for hanging out, and for being good sports. And uh, we'll see you all guys later. Bye, everyone. Peace, y'all. Cheers. Bye.